Well, welcome to my neighborhood. You know, uh, one of the things I've realized is that even though I know my neighbors, um, I don't know them really well. I see them, you know, when I get the newspaper, when I get the mail. Uh, our kids might be playing together and we say hi. Uh, Jennifer and I are taking a walk, getting our trash. But do I really know them? You know, right here is um, my neighbor's house, Pam. And uh, Pam has two daughters, one's in college, one's in high school. But I really don't know Pam that well. This past uh, summer, her mower broke down and I came over and helped mow her yard. But I don't know where she's at in her relationship with God, uh, whether she goes to church. But I want to be a link in the chain, at least to let her know of God's love. And I just wonder about you. Do you know your neighbors? And more importantly, what God says, do we love our neighbors? This is my other neighbors, Adelaide and Amanda. And they have uh, two small kids, Addie and Avery. And our kids and their kids play together. They've been over at our house. We've been at their house. I know that they have a relationship with God and uh, they're committed to him. They go to a church. Um, but when I look around our neighborhood, um, the reality is I don't know all my neighbors. And I'm not showing the kind of love God wants me to. And I wonder about you. Do you know your neighbors? Do you love your neighbors? Can you reach out to your neighbors this week? Uh, convicted about is getting to know my neighbors more. And so one of the things that was in your program is simply an invitation to invite people to come to One Month to Live. And um, I really want to encourage you to do that. One of the things that Jennifer and I have done, we live in a cul-de-sac, and so we've kind of uh, figured out a way in which we can be uh, getting to know our neighbors. And uh, how many of you know all the neighbors in your neighborhood? Raise your hand. Okay, a few. Some of you live in the country, and there's one house beside you, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I could tell. <clears throat> but most of us don't. So I'm not asking you to get to know all of your neighbors, but try to find one that you think, you know what, I could connect with them, and uh, maybe, you know, they are not connected with God, and begin to start building a friendship uh, with them. And we'll be talking about that uh, in the days ahead. So please take one of these and uh, share, share that with somebody. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Well, God, today we come and we want you to show up. Um, it's not so much about the music, a commercial, the campaign, announcements, the teaching that's going to come. All these things are important, God, but if you don't show up, it really doesn't matter. So I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and you would direct our time together. Lord, be with your servant. Allow him to speak your words and your truth. For your honor and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing on in our series called Baggage. And today, what I want us to kind of focus on is what I call the secretive family. The reality is, all families have baggage. Every single person here has some baggage in your life. And we have secrets 
that we tend to hide within our family systems. Now, the biggest indication on whether or not you know whether your family is a secretive family or not is this. You withhold information. You withhold information from other people. And that's kind of the first fill-in-the-blank in the teaching outline. That's what you do. You withhold information from other people. And often the reasons why we do this in our families is because we don't feel safe. We don't feel like there is a safe place that we could share anything. And so we kind of stuff it into our bag and we continue to go forward. And typically it's because of some shameful thing that has happened that we just don't think people will love us anymore if we released it. And what happens in secretive families is that if they were playing cards, these are people that pull their cards way close. They don't let anyone else see what is in their hand because they don't trust people. Now, I just want to ask you by a a sign of hands, how many of you have ever wished that you could like open the mind of someone in your family and figure out exactly what they were thinking? How many have ever, yeah, and those of you that didn't, we know we call you liars. Because everyone wants to know what other people are thinking, right? But the reality is if we know what they're thinking, then they have to know what we're thinking as well. And that might be just a little bit scary. I mean, maybe your daughter hates the way that she looks, But she doesn't feel free about sharing that in her family system because she doesn't think anyone would listen to her. Or maybe your son feels bullied at school, but you're a parent who's such a man's man that he is afraid to actually even talk about being bullied because he knows you're going to say something against him. Maybe you're a mom who was abused as a child. It's not... Your fault, but you carry this baggage and you don't share it. Or maybe you're a dad who struggles with pornography and it just feels like there's absolutely no way that I could bring that to the table because it doesn't feel safe in our family. You see, in a secretive family, secret pain is held inside. There can't be intimacy in a secret family because no one trusts each other. No one uh, feels safe. No one feels secure. And the reason is because in a secretive family, it's all about shame that we keep to ourselves rather than safety. Any of you remember the uh, television show that came out a couple of years ago? It was on the family channel of Fox News or of Fox called The Moment of Truth. Anybody remember that? This was the stage. A person is sat in front and all of the audience sees this person. And before uh, the actual show would come on, uh, they would ask the contestant 50 personal questions. It was the most bizarre, the most greedy, the most selfish, the most painful show I've ever seen on family programming. 
And they would ask these 50 questions about your greed, about your sexuality, about whether you have lied, about morality, about anything. And then they hooked you up to a polygraph, a lie detector, to see whether or not you were telling the truth about things. After they were done with that, they bring a live audience. I kind of get nervous right now. Uh, I'm not going to divulge anything, I promise. But they bring in a live audience, and then the people's family is like just a few feet away, and they're sitting there also. Now, the person who's on the hot seat, they know all the questions, they know all the answers. They know what is true. And if they tell the truth all the way through the show, they can win a half million dollars. If they don't, they lose everything. Now, here were some of the questions. Have you ever dated anyone prettier than your wife? I'm not asking you to answer those right now, okay? Uh, Do you have any secrets that could end your marriage? Did you have a sexual relationship with anyone that you invited to your wedding? Again, don't answer any of those questions, okay? Do you think you are a better mother than what your mom was to you? And your family, folks, they're sitting like literally right there. Now, the whole show was based on sleaze and greed, but there was one catch. The family, anytime they didn't want the person to answer a question, they could push the stop button. And the person didn't have to answer it. The only problem was, you only had one stop. Now, I only watched this once. (laughs) For research purposes, folks, okay? But I'll never forget this one time. There's a guy on the hot seat, and he and his family is sitting right there. They're all together in a family business. They all own this family business together. And the question was, have you ever stolen money from the family business? And the guy kind of dropped his head and he's starting to sweat. They zoom in on the camera and, you know, all the family, they zoom over to them and they're like looking at each other like, what's up? What do you do? And the guy is just getting ready to spill his guts when all of a sudden his mom comes up and stops him. You see, the mom didn't want the answer. The family system was better that they thought to keep secrets than to tell the truth. Because it was just too painful. You see, folks, all of us, at some point, we experience shame. It may be because things that we've done in our past, or it may be something that was done to us, but we own it. So why do we keep family secrets? It's because we feel shame. The reason you keep secrets in your family, away from family, is because you feel shame. Shame is what we experience on the playground when we are the last kid chosen for the kickball game. Shame is what we feel when we lie about something or we take advantage of someone. 
Shame is the pregnant teenager who never goes to her mom because she thinks her mom will just push her aside. Shame is the feeling of walking through a divorce and feeling rejected every single step. Shame is being sexually abused as a child and feeling like you can never share it with anyone. Shame is the spouse who finds themselves attractive to someone else. And in some ways, the problem with shame is this, unforgiveness. And it's unforgiveness to ourselves. We forgive other people, we think God could forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. And shame has that way of punishing you and bringing it up all the time. I deserve this emotion. I deserve what happened. I deserve what someone did to me. Now let me be very clear. There is a huge difference between guilt and shame. I like to put it like this. Guilt is an emotion we feel about something we've done. So we do something, and we know it's wrong, and then we feel guilty about it. It's something that we feel about something that we've done. Now, shame, on the other hand, is something very different. We feel for who we think we are. In other words, whatever it is, that's who we think we are. And it's very easy to find yourself hooked by shame and go down this dangerous road, not just that I failed at something, but I am a failure. I didn't just fail at this. I'm a failure. You personalize it. I'm a loser because of whatever it is. And folks, what happens is people who live lives filled with shame are always emotionally led within that. They're led by their emotions. And your emotions can lie to you. And you feel powerless. And it becomes extremely frustrating. Now, over the course of this series, we've been looking at one particular dysfunctional family, Jacob's family. Now, every single family in the Bible has some dysfunction. Even Jesus' family had dysfunction. But, Jacob's family takes the cake. It's like five dysfunctions. We've already talked about two, and we want to look at this third one. Now, you need to understand that, first of all, Jacob's name actually means deceiver. He was a person from birth who deceived other people. First of all, it was his brother Esau, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They get in an argument. Jacob deceives him, takes his birthright, his blessing, the inheritance away from him, and he takes off. He deceives his dad, Isaac. But finally, Jacob meets his match when he comes up against his uncle Laban. The story is that Jacob is running away from his brother Esau because Esau wants to kill him. That's a good reason to run away. And while he's on the path to take him out, he decides that I'll go to my Uncle Laban's country. No one will look, at, look for me there. And when I get there, I want to find a wife. 
Now he looks for his cousins to be his wife. Did you hear that? He looks for his cousins to become his wife, Rachel and Leah. I don't get that, folks. It's like kind of living in Kentucky or something like that, you know? No emails, okay? My, my, wife, or my mom's side of the family, all are from Kentucky. And there's some cousins there, I'm, I'm telling you. Well, Jacob uh, goes to his uncle's house, Laban, and he has to work 14 years until he can get the babe that he has been looking at to be his wife. Her name's Rachel. And Rachel means the little lamb. And Jacob wanted his little lamb really, really bad. But he becomes deceived by Laban. And he has to marry his other cousin Leah and then two other servants within that household. He has four wives now. And he gets ripped off left and right by his uncle. Well, finally, we come to this point in the story that we're going to look at today. And Jacob's done, and he runs away. He wants to bolt again, because that's what he's good at. And let's look at this story. It'll be up on the screen. So Jacob put his wives and children on camels. He drove the flocks in front of him, all the livestock he had acquired at Padan Aram, and set out on his journey to the land of Canaan, where his father Isaac lived. He just wants to go home. That's his number one thing. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away, shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household gods and took them with her. There's the first secret. Is this, these stolen household gods. You see, Jacob knows that there's only one true God. There's only one God. But now, all of a sudden, he learned that from his uncle Isaac, or from his uh, father Isaac, but now, his wife has totally gone against that, and he doesn't know about it. Now, these household gods, you need to realize, would be made out of rock or wood or something like that, and they would carve them and engrave them. It might be a picture of a man, a woman. It might uh, try to, you know, make it into an ancestor of theirs. But they would take these household gods and they would worship these items. Let's go on. They set out secretly and never told Laban that they were leaving. Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River, heading for the territory of Gilead. Laban didn't learn of their flight for three days. But when he did, he gathered up a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. In other words, Laban is ticked off. He's mad. Jacob has left. He's ticked. He caught up with him seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban in a dream. Be careful about what you say to Jacob. You see, God will talk to anybody. He'll talk to crooked people, deceptive people, whoever it is he chooses to talk to, he will talk to them because that's the power that God has. So when Laban caught up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead, he set up his camp not far from Jacob's. 
What do you mean sneaking off like this, Laban demanded? Are my daughters prisoners, the plunder of war, that you have stolen them away like this? Why did you slip away secretly? I would have given you a farewell party with joyful singing, accompanied by tambourines and harps. That's a lie. He would have never done that. Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and grandchildren and tell them goodbye? You have acted very foolishly. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and told me, be careful about what you say to Jacob. I know you must feel that you need to go because you intensely long for your childhood home, but why have you stolen my household gods? See, folks, there's the problem. It's a a secret. I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. I said to myself, he'll take his daughters from from me by force. But as for the household gods, let the person who has taken them die. If you find anything that belongs to you, I swear before all the relatives of ours, I will give it back without question. But Jacob didn't know that Rachel, his little lamb, his wife, had taken it. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's tent, and then he searched the tents of the two concubines, but he could not find the gods. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. Rachel had taken the household gods and had stuffed them into her camel saddle, and now she was sitting on them. So although Laban searched all the tents, he couldn't find them. Forgive my not getting up, Father, Rachel explained. I'm having my monthly period. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> I mean, it just says it exactly the way it is. Another, no kind of you know, coding it or making it different. Here it is. I mean, you could chalk up this whole thing, folks, to PMS. <laughs> I'm not getting off the camel, Dad, okay? You got a problem with that? I haven't entered that age yet, but I'm waiting. Don't write me, don't email me. It's in the Bible, folks, okay? (laughs) So despite his thorough search, Laban didn't find them. Folks, there are secrets all over this family. About five years ago, when we first started the uh, church, I had a counseling session one time with a, a woman who uh, was in her 20s. Had a very, very tough life. She was in her late 20s, but she looked like she was in her 50s. And um, she had gotten pregnant as a teenager, got married to that guy, divorced him, got pregnant again to another guy, got pregnant again to another guy, and she had three kids. And the husband that she was living with at the time that I got to meet her was extremely controlling. And uh, she walked into my office, and she really had a heart for God. She wanted things to be right for her and her family. And they were coming to church, they were getting involved. And one time we were meeting, and all of a sudden... She just started breaking down, just bawling, crying uncontrollably. 
And she had divulged something to me that she had never told anyone before. A few years before that, her husband that she was with right then had forced her to have sex with one of his best friends while he watched. And the shame and the pain that she took on was like a volcano that had erupted in this moment. And she had stuffed it and she had pushed it down and she had said, I'll never tell anyone, I'll never talk. And God finally got a hold of her life and she was like, I can't keep this secret anymore. It's killing me. And have you ever been with someone before when they start crying It's not just crying. It's almost, it feels like they're being tortured. And all of a sudden, these tears and pain and hurt is just all over the room. And I'm crying, and you can't do anything about it. And I just sat there. And finally, the Holy Spirit came to me in a moment, after a long period of time, And I looked at her and I said, look at me. And we looked exactly in each other's eyes and I said, God loves you. He forgives you. He doesn't want you to carry secret shame anymore. And the volcano just erupted. And I sat with her and we prayed together and she confessed sin in her life and I reinforced that that thing that your husband did, that was not your fault. And she left that day set free from that shame. A few years ago there was a... um, artist by the name of Frank Warren who put together this project that he called Post Secret. And what he did was he got 3,000 postcards and um, he passed them out. And you could anonymously, he put a stamp on them, put his address, and people could write back anything that was a secret they had never shared before. It was anonymous. He told them they could be as creative as they wanted to. It happened in New York City. And he put these postcards in subway stations. He put them uh, in libraries. He put them at art galleries. And he didn't think he would get very many that would be returned at all. But then all of a sudden, there were just like hundreds that were sent. This incredible, heartbreaking secrets of shame that they could just put out. Well, he finally put them into a book called The Secret Lives of Men and Women. And I'd like you to take a check at this video as we look at them. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole 
the old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have it all Upon my liar's chair Full of broken thoughts I cannot repair Beneath the stains of time The feelings disappear You are someone else I am still right here What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end And you could have it all powerful, isn't it? What would you put on your postcard? What secret sin, secret shame have you been hiding? The Bible says this, everything that is now hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light. And at first that seems pretty scary, doesn't it? I mean, for someone to actually find out what that thing is, the skeleton in the closet that I'm hiding. We don't want everything brought to the light. That's why people could send these things in anonymously and no one would ever know. But the Bible's clear that one day everything, not just some things, but everything will be brought to light. And so the question becomes then, how will God receive us? When I bring my pile of dirt, when I bring my secret shame, how will God receive me? 
Well, the promise of the Bible says this, when we confess our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions, our secret sins from us. But why? Why would God do that? Why would He forgive us of those things? Because it's His nature. The Bible says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Friends, God loves you. He's amazingly in love with you. He never walks away from you. And He doesn't want you to carry secrets anymore. But the question is, will you let Him in? The Bible says this, the one who trusts in Him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Folks, right there, that's worth the price of admission. The phrase that you can leave here today with is this, I will trust Jesus and never be put to shame. The only way shame gets out of your life is when you trust Jesus. I will trust Jesus and will never be put to shame. Folks, today Jesus wants to remove your shame your pain. He doesn't want you to carry it by yourself. He wants to lighten the load. You know, my favorite postcard in Frank Warren's project was this one. It says, I've given away all my secrets and I feel so free. Folks, there's one who already knows all your secrets. He knows what you're carrying. He knows the baggage you have. So why do you think you should keep it from Him? What is the fear that keeps us from saying, here I am, God. This is me. You already know it anyways, but I need to share it. So I get free. And when you do this, you become set free in such a way That you leave your shame behind. Because the Scripture says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Zero condemnation. No condemnation when we give ourselves to Him. And folks, that's a pretty good swap. We get to swap out two things. We trust Him, and then He removes all of our shame. If you would, I'd like you to pull out this little white card when you walked in today. It's a blank card, just a piece of paper. Looks like this. And I want to encourage you to take a risk today. And the risk is to write down something on this card that you have been holding secret that no one else knows. Don't look at anyone else's paper. Just focus directly on yourself. And if you're worried that you don't want someone to see, take your program. I don't care. Put it like that. But let's get free today. And then as a sign that you're really willing to let whatever that thing is, there's these two 55-gallon barrels that are up here, and you can take whatever that is, and it's that size. No one will see it. No one will, will, will even be able to look at it. 
Because we're going to throw these barrels away. But you take it in there and you can, you can put it right there in that little section. That small. Just like you're throwing away a piece of trash, you just throw it away. And when you come up and you do that, I want you to look what is ahead of each of those barrels. And that is a cross of Jesus saying, I take it on. I take the shame. I take the secret. You're set free. Derek's going to just play a song, lead us in that. And then whenever you feel free, come up and do that. And if you could go back to your seat just for a second, then we'll be done. But I just want to tell you today, put something down that you really need freedom from. You've been carrying it maybe for weeks, months, years, decades. Get rid of it today and be set free. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that You would come through the power of Your Holy Spirit into this place. Father, only you know what's inside of us. And for some of us, we're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take this. But God, would you, would you speak, not my words, but would you speak into each heart that we would take this serious, that we would be set free? God, for each of us that have some secret shame, give us the boldness to write it down, to give it to you. And let us know, God, we can change. Whatever it is, we can change today. And that whatever that thing is that's on our piece of paper, that we can be set free in You. So come right now, God. Meet with us. For Your honor. and for our freedom that we don't have to carry anything anymore. Amen.
all who are thirsty, all who are weak, just come to the fountain, to be hard in the stream of life, the pain and the sorrow, be washed away. As deep cries out to deep, we sing, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come. closing prayer. God, when we uh, started the teaching this morning, we prayed that more than anything else that you would show up God, that's our greatest desire, that you showed up today and you would give us the encouragement and confidence to know, God, that whatever we put into these barrels, God, that we are set free today and that uh, we do not have to carry that anymore. And I just pray, Lord, that you would lighten the load of each person in this place today that that shame is gone, that they no longer have to carry it, and that there is new freedom in their life. Help us as a church, God, to be a place where we are safe, where shame is destroyed, and where we build people up for your honor and your glory. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. And... Uh, the band's going to close us out, and you can feel free to leave, stay, whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, called Set Free.
Through you the dead will rise. Through you all hearts will praise. Through you the darkness flees. Through you my heart screams, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free. I am free. 